welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Hope for Heroes Texas. This is Brad Cornell, and we're serving those who serve us. If you haven't joined us before, Hope for Heroes Texas, what we do is bring in first responders from around Texas. And yes, we bring them into the Bevy Hotel, give them a beautiful night at the Bevy Hotel. We give them a gift card to spend right here in Bernie, Texas, and they have an incredible time. And of course, it's all in the greeting. Well, on today's episode, we have got a fantastic first responder that's going to be sharing some great stories because that's what we do here. Under the weight of the badge. Glad you joined us. You've seen it all in his 15 years. Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Hope for Heroes Texas. Go to hopeforheroestx.org. This is another Weight of the Badge podcast. Man, am I fired up again today, like I always am, but especially when I have an incredible guest on, which is really part of Hope for Heroes here pretty before too awful long. But you know, we're so blessed to have some of the people that we work with and that I work with and the officers and the, the we call, them, of course, our heroes. And if you ever get a chance, you need to come to the Bevy Hotel on a Saturday. Go on to HopeForHeroesTX.org and put your phone number in there and your email address. I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to text your email. I'm just going to send you to be sent out a, 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 a alert when we're going to have these on a Saturday morning at the Bevy Hotel. Come over and have a cup of coffee and a, a, a breakfast burrito free on us. And then we wait for the officers to show up up about 10 o'clock, 10, 15, and we give them the kind of uh, greeting that they deserve. So really, ladies and gentlemen, you need to be here whenever you can. So check that out. But today on Hope for Heroes, a gentleman's been carrying the weight of the badge for well over 20 years, five years. He's active duty in the United States Army, and he has a stellar career with the Austin Police Department. I mean, he started out in 1998. He's done patrol and tactical and a detective organized crime, and now he is a president of the uh, Austin Police Department. I guess you'd call it the union, but the APD. And I want to say one thing before we get rolling today is I do want you folks to say a prayer for a family. It's an officer out of Poteet, Jeffrey Richardson, and he was working overtime and was hit by a drunk driver working in Austin on Saturday. And I want to tell you folks, those are the kind of things it was just, a, and this gentleman might be able to share, Ken might be able to share something with that, but I just want you to know, just go into work and all of a sudden, it was over, and he has five kids he left behind and a wife. So, folks, say a, a prayer for the uh, Richardson family, please. But I want to just welcome to the program today, and Ken Cassidy, like I said, is a, such a special individual. He's come, He is actually the executive vice president of operations over Hope for Heroes, and he has, without him, I never could have started it. He had to say okay. It's been a year and a half now. I got to work with this incredible gentleman, and we want to talk about some things today, and the great thing about Ken, he's up front, straightforward, and doesn't mess around, and that's what I love about him. He's been just a blessing to me, a blessing to this organization, and to so many people, and so I just want to welcome to the program today a dear friend of mine and the executive vice president of operations over hope for heroes hello mr ken cassidy sir thank you brad for having me on again i I appreciate the time and thank you so much for talking about our hero from poteet texas um you know he uh was up here trying to uh work with the city and, and blocking traffic for construction workers in the middle of the night and stepped out of his car to stretch his legs and Sadly, a, a, a young lady um, that was uh, intoxicated uh, went around the barriers and, and ran him over and killed him. And, and uh, you know, he's got uh, multiple children, a wife, and, and there's going to be multiple ways to, to help his family out in the future. So we just ask for prayers and, and that, uh, you know, God uh, leads their family through this tragic time. Well, thank you, kids. The sad part is this happens too often, doesn't it? It does. It happens uh 
multiple times a year and and uh that's a very dangerous job you know i'd much rather go to a shooting call or a stabbing or a family disturbance and have to sit out on the interstate in the state of texas blocking traffic for for workers because you know people are very impatient and uh um, you know unfortunately at night you have a lot of people drinking and driving and that is a very very dangerous job that i never participated in and didn't want any part of because it is so dangerous yeah, they, and people just don't pay attention. Here they're sitting out there with an orange vest on and uh, uh, and orange lights and flashlights and everything else, and it's just amazing what happens. So I'm just uh, I'm just I feel sorry for that family, and again, we just we need your prayer. So thank you for what you guys do. Another hero out there just trying to do good, and that's what that's what you do. Well, Ken, today I know we've been talking about this in the last few weeks, and it's um it's really about I want to talk about today is marriage because you know. I don't know. We're, of course, I'm a civilian, but I know that there's different challenges in the regular everyday marriages. But what about the police officers and their marriages? Is it a real challenge? Is it a tough way to, uh, I mean, is, is it just harder than most? What, what's the marriage situation like with police officers? It's an extreme challenge. And um, the divorce rate amongst uh, public safety workers and police officers is double that of uh, the civilian population, which is already very high. Wow. And, you know, there's numerous reasons. There's the temptations that you're around all the time. There's the uh, weird hours that you work, um, late evenings where you come home at 3 or 4 in the morning and then you don't get to see your kids when you wake up or you're working late nights and you go to bed when you get home and the kids are going to school. And then by the time they get home, it's time for you to go to work again. So there's multiple um, things that we have to deal with that a lot of people in the general public don't. And it creates a, a horrible, stressful environment for a lot of families and especially young families and, you know, families that have, you know, toddlers and, and young kids. It's uh, just uh, dealt with some of these officers that have this, the same type of problem going on in their lives right now this morning. And it's heartbreaking to see. And, um, you know, uh, we're so short uh, in public safety right now on on personnel that's even leading to officers working you know 60 to 80 hour work weeks and that is not you know 40 hour weeks tough enough but once you throw 60 70 80 hours on top of somebody weekly it's 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 a heavy burden uh, on these households well it's really got to be and yeah and on top of that like you say and that's what just makes me nuts is knowing how little an officer really makes so really they have to work a lot of overtime if you want to put your kids in private school if you want to go on a nice vacation if you want to do live in a house that's you know now what three four hundred thousand dollar house is standard but the payments yes. and all the stuff and i mean to get a car and you got kids going to college and you're working, at, you know, you're making sixty, seventy thousand a year, say max. I don't know what exactly an officer makes. It's just starting out, out of a cadet situation. But my word, you've got to work. I know everybody I know is always working overtime, and that's just ridiculous. All the stress that you guys put up with as it is, and then to work sixty or seventy or eighty hours a week, and then have to go home and live that life. You know, where's dad at? Well, he's still working, and he's working on the most dangerous jobs on the planet. So. Sure. You know, and as, as a young officer, Brad, I, I was fortunate to have very good mentors that talked about the family, that talked about uh, the things that you and I are going to talk about here in a few minutes, and and that's trying to survive a law enforcement marriage. And and um, you know, there's techniques that can be used that you know the department doesn't really teach anymore, uh, and that, that we're going to try to teach at Hope for Heroes. A lot of these young couples that uh, you know there are ways. 
of uh, surviving this. And there are ways of, uh, especially communication is so important and communicating with your partner, uh, your spouse that, uh, uh, you know, you just have to communicate. And it's so important. Uh, and if you don't, your, your marriage is most likely not going to survive. Yes, and I'm excited about what Hope for Heroes is about ready to do, and I'm excited about a lady named Tammy Baker coming on um, that's going to be helping us. I'm I'm praying she does, and she's been married for 33 years to a police officer, and she was telling me the same thing is there's nothing out there. You know, it's pretty ridiculous, actually. There's nothing out there for, for just regular married couples that are just getting married. It, you know, this, and I, and I love this because we came up with the acronym you know, SALEM, Surviving a Law Enforcement Marriage, which you came up with, and we just kind of put the initials to it. And it's going to be, I think, fantastic because, you know, surviving a law enforcement marriage doesn't mean that you have a bad marriage. And so any of you officers out there that are listening to this, you need to go ahead and get a hold of Ken Cassidy and sign up because I think it's going to be a fantastic um, weekend. We'll talk about what we're going to do here in a little bit and, and uh, come to Bernie, Texas. Stay at a nice hotel and just have some some really serious people that know how to survive. You know, we're all dummies just at different things. <laughs> and even surviving a marriage, you know, you've got to pay attention. And so it's going to be so exciting to have these officers and their wives come up or wives and their officer ladies and their husbands come up and not feel embarrassed that you're, you have a bad marriage or you just, you just want to know about how to survive it. So what do you see? How do you see this working, uh, Ken? Sure. It's, 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 it's easy, but just because I've done this before in our own police department, well, it's not easy, but we have a, a path forward. And that is we have professional PhD level uh, psychologists that deal and work with us here at the Austin Police Department. We'll have people like Tammy Baker and her husband there that have survived a 30-year marriage of him working uh, at L.A. Uh, Sheriff's Department and then being here uh, at the Dawson Police Department for 25 years and talking about the ups and downs. Uh, one of our um, pastors, uh, that's a pastor of a church here that is used to dealing with uh, first responders, um, you know, to talk about the religious aspect of it and how important, uh, you know, a healthy family is. But uh, we're, we're going to surround the problem with, with people that uh, are professionals and uh, that they've dealt with these issues. So we have PhD-level people. We have cops that have lived it. And we have uh, God and, 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 you know, looking at it, all the different aspects of trying to uh, survive a law enforcement marriage or a public safety worker marriage. It, uh, you know, this goes for firefighters and, and paramedics, too. But uh, we've done it here with success. And, um, you know, police officers um, and public safety workers don't want to see, um, you know, some fly-by-night person coming in and trying to tell them. They like to hear from people that have uh, walked the walk and, and done these things and survived. And, and then you get their attention um, when you can do that. And I'm, I'm just so excited uh, to be able to have uh, multiple uh, Salem conferences every year in Bernie to, to get some of these families that are on the verge of divorce or on the verge of, you know, who knows what, cheating on their spouse. Um, you know, these are all things that we deal with. I dealt with it today. Um, and it, uh, uh, you know, there's just a lot of young people that need help. I'm thinking the worst and hoping for the best. Yeah, we ain't superheroes. We're just ordinary people. 
Hey, folks, Brad Cornell, Hope for Heroes here, and uh, I'm excited about today's podcast, The Weight of the Badge. This program is sponsored by the Apache Rifle Works up in Comfort, Texas. Paul Duran Jr., my gosh, what a blessing he is. So thank you for your sponsorship of this program, and we want to thank you again for what you do for the, all the officers and all the people that are uh, needing guns. Go to Apache Rifle Works right there in Comfort, Texas. The great thing, I'm hoping to work out of this because we're going to have a curriculum that's going to be, you know, I want, the one thing Hope for Heroes is is duplicatable. And so if you haven't heard about Hope for Heroes, you can go to HopeForHeroesTX.org and check it out. But, you know, we have these lunches once a month. And if you're out there, you guys, you're sitting around, you're over in uh, Oklahoma somewhere not doing anything. Grab a bunch of your guys, get some barbecue pits out, and let's cook some hamburgers for your first responders. And we do a thing called Coat Floats with Cops, Firemen, and EMS right here in Bernie at the uh, the first Wednesday of every month. You can do that in your town. Just have go to the local ice cream shop and say, "Hey, we're going to have Coke floats with uh, so the kids can come from two to four and just enjoy getting together with the police department, the fire department, and all that." And so that's duplicatable. Now is something that's going to save lives, and that's the Salem conferences. And I'm hoping, Ken, I know you're the same way. Is we can spread this out. We do this this uh, weekend or weekday, two days, whatever it might be. It can be going to all these cities across the country, and um, they can do the same thing and start really starting to help because we don't get our family together and our dads back in the home and being the dad they need to be, which is always what God wants us to be. And when a family's broken up or dad leaves and mom and dad are fighting, there's no good there. And I don't think the question the community has to, you know, and the officers and first responders have to answer is, you know, if you're not, if you don't have a healthy marriage and your, your, your home life is not good, then how do you expect those people to come out and take care of community members when they need help? That's exactly right. Because, and and civilian marriages are tough enough, but the pressure and the stuff that that you guys put up with folks, we don't understand. I'm telling you, you don't have any idea what the officer puts up with all day long, trying to teach people like us civilians under control, then trying to keep them under control. And you're right, Ken. I mean, it's tough when you leave. We've all done that where you leave the house and your your wife or your spouse is upset with you. And what a terrible day it is. You know, you don't, you're not focused on what needs to be done. So here's a way we can fix that in a big way. At least start working on it. You know, it's all about just working on it. Let's get, let's get in the game. And I have, yep. I'm so blessed that, uh, that you're taking, you know, we're doing this with you because you have been around and you know it. And I'm so excited you're working with Hope for Heroes on this because you're a part of it. Uh, how yep. how do you think, I guess, what is the, one of the biggest challenges? Say if someone's listening to this and they're, you know, you're just on edge all the time. Is, isn't it mostly communication? I, I believe through my own marriage and the problems that I've had in my marriage, um, and I love my wife and and I'm still with her today after 20 years of marriage and surviving law enforcement marriage. You know, our, our toughest times have been when we didn't communicate. And then we'll sit down angry at each other and go, why did we get to this point? And then you realize, well, it's because we didn't communicate. Um, you know, I didn't realize that me working, you know, overtime was affecting uh, my wife at one point. And then, um, you know, she was... Um, wanting multiple things, you know, not only do we need to pay the bills, but hey, you know, it'd be nice to be able to take a vacation this year. So let's go to Disney or whatever it might be. 
And then you have to sit down and communicate. It's like, okay, if you want me to cut back on overtime or you want me to cut back on these extra jobs, and this is what we can do. So it's just about communicating. And then once your spouse understands what you're thinking about and then what you understand what their needs and wants are, um, it can be handled through communication and just sitting down and, and trying to you know, work issues out. I mean, it sounds very basic, <laughs> but there's a lot of people in the society uh, in marriages, civilian and public safety, that have no communication, um, and that's why uh, you know people lead to, to either straying away from the marriage or, or you know, losing interest in their partner or whatever it might be. And uh, you can't go anywhere, do anything without communicating. That's true. And, and come at home and, and communicate with your wife or your spouse, saying, you know, how was your day today? Well, you know, for me to come home and say that's one thing, but when you've just worked a homicide or a terrible crash that kids were killed and and then you come home and it's like you're trying to just kind of deep, you know, I guess just kind of get your head together. She says, well, tell me about your day. It's like, I'm really trying to protect you by not telling you my day, you know? Exactly. And, you know, there was, and we had that same point in my marriage, Brad, where, you know, there was um, certain things that she wanted to hear and she had no problem hearing. And there's certain things that you could say that could re-traumatize a person yeah. because of past experiences. And it's just, you knew, uh, because it's communication, you just don't talk about those certain things. Um, but, um, you know, for an example, you know, one day I got home from working late and it was 10 o'clock at night and I just wanted to lay down and, and you know, lay down on the couch and lay down in my shorts. And my wife's like, you have children and, and you know, I'm here and, you, you know, we need your ten. I mean, all the things that most marriages have gone through. And then by sitting down and communicating, you know, you know, let's let me take a day of vacation, or let's take off and, and go on a two day uh, just sabbatical to get away. Because what your spouse doesn't realize all the time is that you just handled a murder scene, and before that, a nasty child sexual assault, and it's just draining. And you just want to um, pull away from the world and just you know leave me alone and let me catch my breath. And what your partner's thinking is. You're not taking care of your children. You're not spending time with your kids, and you're ignoring me. And that's what this conference can do: is try to ex- explain to people what's going on and how to deal with it, and you know some some uh, different techniques that you know uh, people a lot smarter than me have come up with on communicating and and, and uh, you know making these marriages work. But uh, you know you, you can't again you can't go anywhere with that without communication. That's true. And, and if people don't realize that things don't change, they'll stay as they are. Huh. I mean, you know, if you don't do anything to try to fix it, um, it's yeah. just going to keep the same. And so, you know, I've always wondered or thought, you know, when before I, when an officer gets married, he should have his wife would have to ride with him for a couple of days. Yes. I mean, that would really be, I don't know if they do that or not, but man, I tell you what, until I rode, started riding with police officers when I started Hope for Heroes, I started seeing my word, which you, and you guys are trained professionals. This is not a hit and miss. I go to work today and all of a sudden there's this happened, you know, some, some crazy, and oh, I, I don't want to deal with that because I don't have any training. No, you guys have training in virtually everything of some, I mean, it's unbelievable yeah. to watch what you guys handle in one day. And then That's- you go home. And you can't handle that. I mean, <laughs> Brad, I'll give you one more good example. And it, it, for a civilian, it sounds like, oh, wow, I can't believe, you know, whoa, I would have felt the same way. But, you know, it, it, 
one point I'd moved to a violent crimes unit and, and um, I had an informant that I was working with and it was a female uh, prostitute, drug addicted prostitute that was cluing us in on these individuals that were doing robberies. And two or three nights in a row, I was, you know, that my phone would ring and there'd be this female. And, and finally my wife got up and said, do you have something you need to tell me? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Are you having an affair? It's like, what are you talking about? And through not communicating, that led to my wife thinking, who is this woman calling my my husband? And I'm like, well, that's you know Jane Doe, and she's a prostitute, and she's giving me and my partner information on where to find these robbers. And it, you know, I'm not sure she believed me at that time. I don't believe she did. And, you know, we had some serious conversations and it really, that's all it was. Yeah. Uh, and, um, but the way I fixed it was, why don't you come meet her? And she's like, what? I'm like, come ride with me tomorrow and I'll introduce you to the person I was talking to. And it was a, a street prostitute that lived on the streets. And just by taking you know, communicating with my spouse, letting her go out and see what I had to deal with today. She could see with her own eyes that, oh, now I get it. But um, I never thought about communicating. With the, if my wife would have never said anything to me, she would have let that fester and we could end yeah. up in a much worse situation. But she brought it up. This is bothering me. And sit down and, and, and you know, work out the situation. And that's, again, that's techniques that one of our uh, PhD level psychologists at Austin Police Department teaches. And, and it, um, you know, that's just one yeah. example. Yeah, it probably many. it probably would have been a better idea even if you'd have come home and said, "Hey, I'm getting ready to spe- work this certain case, and it's probably going to be a prostitute or two calling me in the middle of the night because we're trying to find these guys that are stealing stuff." Absolutely, <laughs> <You not. know>? she <laughs> just said, "Okay." <laughs> it never even crossed my mind yeah. right until it down my throat, and I'm like, "Well, I really screwed that up, and now I got to dig my way out of this." Um, and not thinking and not doing anything intentionally, but not communicating um, caused that problem. Well, and the reason is, and I don't think people understand this, is you. this is what you guys do for a living. This is like an every, this is like, when this is what amazes me, this is not a big deal to you. It's like me being a me being a carpenter and I frame a wall and somebody comes up and says, hey, why don't you tell me you're putting that two by four there? Well, sure. why? Because that's what I do every time I frame a wall. What are you talking about? Tell you a two by four is there. Well, yeah, but I didn't know about it. And you're like, and that's with you guys. Of course, that's probably more simple because that's how I am. But it's you. You just you guys do amazing things every day, and so it does, you don't think anything about it. And so us civilians or wives or husbands that, are, that have officers as wives, yeah, they they're just like, wow, you know, you should have told me that. But to you, it's just an informant. That's just what you do. <laughs> so you got to cut you some slack. But then again, I guess you know. I think probably more than anything that I've seen in my uh, in, in what I've done here with Hope for Heroes is talking to the officers and hanging around and being with them. Is a lot of times the guys are just clueless. I mean, they don't realize they don't realize how that communication is so serious to their wife that you know this this not talking or just thinking, hey, my job's tough. Just go ahead. I'll come home take take a shower and here we just go let's go take off and do something else. But it is all in communication. I'm excited about surviving. A law enforcement marriage, the Salem, uh, you know, conference that they're going to teach the guys that hey, it's okay, you know, you've got that's your best friend, you got to talk to her. Yes, just yeah. got to communicate, and then you know, I could give you a dozen stories like that, uh, you know, with situations where you know communication saved our marriage, 
um, you know, all the way back to, you know, working a, a major organized crime investigation. And I was supposed to testify in a big federal trial. And one of our neighbors calls in a suspicious person um, in our neighborhood that's sitting across the street from our house. And it turns out that it was a gang member from the gang that I was going to be testifying in. They were doing surveillance. And thank God the person had a, a parole warrant and was able to be arrested. But it, it clued the department and the FBI into what was going on in our lives. And then I had to explain the heck out of the case I was working, what was going on, because my wife was like, you have brought danger to our house and you've endangered me and the children. And I mean, just, I mean, that's crazy stuff that the community would never, ever think about that I had to live through uh, and and survive through communication and bring her into the case. And this is what we've been doing. This is why I'm testifying in court. This is why this happened. Have other officials from the department come in and explain it. I mean, there, there are some marriages that might not have survived that. Yeah. Because my work endangered my family and me. And we were able to survive that. And, and again, it's just techniques that the communication techniques that we'll be able to use with these couples. Well, I remember when I met you early 2020, uh, early 2020, um, you were dealing with the Black Lives Matter and people picketing your house and all kinds of stuff going up in Austin. So I remember those crazy things thinking, what, how in the heck do you handle that? I mean, someone out in front of your house picketing and screaming and yelling and doing whatever they do. I mean, yep. you, they don't, you know. I had to move my family out of my house for a week, and, and it just is, is um, you know, another situation of, of uh, you know, that's probably the closest we've ever come to, you know, my wife wanting to leave. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, again, it was another time where, you know, um, my job brought danger to the house, and, and um, you know, thank God we were able to survive that. And, and uh, you know, I'll be retiring here in a few months, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trials and we can move on with our life Amen. But, uh, you know but that, that, that shows you that you know I'm, I'm very lucky to have a great spouse that's been very supportive of me and been lived through all this drama for the past 25 years of being a, a police officer and i can attest to that she is a sweetheart for sure so uh, she's a blessing you're blessed you're not just lucky buddy you are blessed beyond imagination to have the family you have you have beautiful daughters and beautiful wife and just uh, you're you're a stand-up guy, Ken. Well, hey, I know it goes by fast, but we've got to wrap this baby up. But I want to say, Ken, I'm so excited that we've come up with Salem uh, Conference, and it's going to be it's surviving. And that's that's what we all need to do is we need to survive. Just a, forget the law enforcement marriage, a marriage, and then you turn the heat up on steroids, and it's a law enforcement marriage. And they're going to be able. You know, the great thing is a lot of your kids are not. They're going to. Here's these kids are five years old, and dad and mom are fighting all the time, and they go to a Salem conference, and they come yep. home, things start straightening out. Pretty soon, they go back, and they're teenagers, and said he'll say, you know, dad, I remember when you and mom were just doing terrible, and I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden it turned around, and I want my marriage, dad, to be like yours, even though I'm not in law enforcement. That's yes. It just you know, the, the work. It, it's it is a marriage is work and it's a chore and it has to be constantly worked on, and 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 you know prayed on and I mean I can go on and on, but uh, it, it just doesn't just magically happen and everything's hunky dory for the rest of your life. You could constantly work on making your marriage as good as it can be, and you, you owe it to your family and your spouse. Yes, it's a journey, not a destination. <laughs> so. 
That's exactly right. And I'm excited. We will be having, as the as this time goes on, as we have these conferences, uh, we'll be definitely be podcasting with uh, officers that have gone through it and say, hey, here's what's happening in my marriage now. Here's what's happening. We're going to start something. Of course, it's never easy when you're the first one to do something like this. But Hope for Heroes, that's what we're all about. It's outside the box. Now, there's been all kinds of things I know out there on marriage conferences and stuff, but there will not be one like this. This will be different because it's going to be something outside the box that we're not going to be able to be afraid to talk about and having having Ken Cassidy involved. That's a that's a definite plus. So, well, thank you, Ken. I thank you like always for who you are and what you do and how you've saved so many lives. And we're going to continue this on um, at a later date. God bless you, sir. Thank you so much for all you do, Ken. Thanks for having me, Brad. And thanks for all you do. And thanks to all the, I always want to thank the uh, citizens of Bernie for, for, uh, you know, um, helping uh, make our officers and first responders lives easier uh, at their expense and, and, you know, taking their time to honor our people. And it means the world to our officers. Hey, thank you, Ken. And folks, don't miss a Hope for Heroes getaway Saturday. You'll, it will change your life. All right. We'll talk to you again, Ken. Take care. Good night. Hey, so glad you joined me today. Now you're going to want to follow us because we've got some upcoming episodes that you're not going to want to miss. See you then. Of the bad.